Hello, welcome to the new Dalham History Podcast. Along the way, there'll always be games and jokes, but mainly this is serious history. Well, as serious as me and Gribbing get. Hello, welcome back to the new Dalham History Podcast. This week we are covering uh, witchcraft and specifically a focus on Matthew Hopkins, England's most famous witchfinder general. So, it'll be the same format as last time. We're going to give you a brief summary of the topic. This week it's gribbing with some truths and lies for me to check out. Then we've got a bit, little bit of technique. We're going to be looking at the similarities question on the crime and punishment paper. We'll talk you through an answer and then we'll point you in some directions of where other things exist. Right, so setting the scene, witchcraft. Witchcraft has been in existence long before uh, the time period that we're doing for the crime and punishment paper. Really, witches were a place to go for spiritual help when it came to medicine. Um, But things changed. Things changed dramatically in 1597. James I published his book, Demonology, which basically laid out what the evils of witchcraft and magic were. It became a bestseller mainly because there weren't any other books to buy, but people really bought into his views on trials and punishments, basically what to do if you found a woman guilty of being a witch. James said they should be executed. Now, interestingly, in Scotland, they went in for the whole burning at the stake deal, but in England, it tended to be hanging that was used. So the the image that you sometimes conjure up, that's to do with heresy. It's not to do with witchcraft. Okay, so um, as the fear of witchcraft grew, um, what's known as the witch craze began in England. So hundreds of people were accused of witchcraft and put on trial. They were mainly um, poor, old women. So often they lived alone, maybe away from other people um, or had worked as wise women um, having healing skills. So things like being a local midwife to the local population. Um, They were viewed as being suspicious because they lived alone or had these skills, um, or they could have been accused because of a grudge between neighbours and something that had gone wrong for somebody else and they blamed it on the sort of lonely old women in the uh, neighbourhood. Now, the way of testing a witch was um, normally uh, the swimming test, which is where the accused was tied up and lowered into a river or pond. If they floated, then the water had rejected them. If they sank, then they were innocent. We discussed this when we were doing medieval um, trials. It's very similar there. Um, The other thing was to search the body for the devil's mark. Um, The the devil left a mark when a woman had turned uh, to the devil. Um, So two easy ways of spotting, but not really scientific. Another thing that played a really important role in the sort of increase in this witch craze was the fact that these events took place during the English Civil War. So um, lots of things were out of balance. Everything was a bit chaotic. Um, It also meant that there was a breakdown in law and order. Um, So this meant that some communities took the law into their own hands and made it easier um, for dishonest people who claim to be witch finders to create fear and um, escalate that in those uh, communities. Also, lots of people distrusted anyone who behaved or thought differently to them during the Civil War, which encourages people to suspect others of witchcraft. It's just it's a really easy finger to point at people, witch. And that's where Matthew Hopkins 
comes in. He is England's most famous witch finder, gives him the sel- himself the title of witch finder general. Um, he was involved in the trials of about 250 women uh, in, across southern, uh, is it southern, southern southeastern yeah. England. Um, definitely read James the First demonology, and he uses the suspicion and ill will of the people in the villages he visits to kind of stir up the need for a trial. Um, there were about 36 women accused of witchcraft in one town, Manningtree in Essex, and 19 of those women were hanged as witches. And he was pretty mean with his methods of gaining a confession. Um, main one that he used was exhaustion. So he got the people to stay awake and make them stand for days at a time. He used humiliation by making the person strip naked to search for the devil's mark in a public place. Uh, and once it was found, it would be pricked with pins. If you didn't feel pain, then that was a clear sign that you were guilty. Um, he also um, stirred up this kind of anti-witchcraft feeling by publishing his own pamphlet called The Discovery of Witches, um, which basically said what witch w- witchcraft was and what witches looked like and what you should be looking out for in order to hunt them down yourselves. Um, historians have estimated that at least 100 people were ex- executed as witches because of the work of Matthew Hopkins. Okay, so now it's part of the podcast where we do two truths and one lie. So this week it's my turn to do uh, the testing of Mr. Howarth. Um, Let's see if he's been paying attention to what's happened so far. So the first statement is, it has been estimated that all of the English witch trials between the early 15th and late 18th centuries resulted in more than a thousand executions. So that's fact one. Okay. I'll just uh, find facts number two and three. Um, despite torture being unlawful in England, Hopkins often used techniques such as sleep deprivation to extract confessions from his victims. He would also cut the arm of the accused with a blunt knife, and if she did not bleed, she was said to be a witch. Um, he would also then look for devil's marks. Um, and to make it worse for the accused, if they had no visible marks... Invisible ones could be discovered by pricking normally after the suspect had been shaved of all body hair. Oh. Yeah, that one's good. Right, and finally, uh, Hopkins was well paid for his work. He stated that his fees were to maintain his company with three horses and that he took 20 shillings a town. The records at Stowe Market, however, show their costs to the town to have been £23 which in 2015 was around £3,300 plus any travelling expenses. That's even better than Dallin School pays out for expenses. So we've got the ridiculously high amount of women who um, fell victim to witchcraft executions. We've got the fact that Hopkins was able to find these invisible marks or the fact that he charged exorbitant fees. I'll add something to the exorbitant fees, actually. Um, it was Some of the costs were so high that in some places they actually had to levy a special tax to pay for Matthew Hopkins. A witch tax? A witch tax. I want that one to be true. So I'm keeping that one in, in as a truth. I think that the second one fits with my knowledge of Matthew Hopkins. I'm going to say the first one. I'm going to say the first one is the lie. Oh, you win. Okay. 
the first one is a lie because actually the witch trials resulted in fewer than 500 executions. Oh. Historians estimate between three and 400, roughly. So actually, when we think about the focus that we put on Matthew Hopkins and the focus on witchcraft, the number of people that were actually executed wasn't that high. Pales into insignificance against things like murder. Mm. Yeah. But these are interesting cases, therefore we know more about them. Fascinating. Okay, so for our technique, we're going to look at the explain one either difference or similarity um, on your crime and punishment paper. So the question will ask you to explain one difference or one similarity. Okay, so you have to state one thing that is different or one thing that is similar and then explain it. If I get it wrong and I give a difference when it says similarity, what happens? No marks. Even if it's accurate? Even if it's accurate, because it's wow. asking you specifically for that thing, a difference or a similarity. That makes sense. So it's four marks. How long should I be spending on this? Uh, roughly five minutes. Okay, not long. No, not long at all. Is that a paragraph? Yeah, a single paragraph. One difference or similarity is... Um, explain a an example from each time period because it's going to ask you about two different time periods do i need to remember the dates you need to remember what the dates refer to but they will be written in the exam that's okay so if i remember the big events and when they happened i can use that to hang my answer off absolutely have you got an example i have got an example so the example we're going to look at today is explain one difference between religious privileges in the medieval period circa 1000 to 1500 and the early modern period circa 1500 to 1700 so we need one difference between religious privilege in the medieval and early modern so the answer goes as follows one difference between religious privileges in the medieval period and the early modern period was that there were more restrictions on benefit of clergy during the early modern period. All medieval clergymen were entitled to a trial in a church court for most crimes if they claimed benefit of the clergy in the medieval period. This protected them from things like capital punishment. However, during the 16th century, several offences, like rape and murder, were made unclergyable, meaning clergymen who committed them couldn't claim benefit of the clergy. And could be sentenced to death. Okay, so you stated what the difference is and you've given a specific example from both time periods explaining how they've changed. Enough for four marks? Perfect for four marks. Wonderful. Okay, so where else can you go to find information on witchcraft and Matthew Hopkins? Well, where else can you go? I've got to say... I remember as a child, probably about your age, if you're a year 10, watching The Witchfinder General. It's a hammer horror film. Um, sets the scene about 17th century England. Um, not really a horror film, if I'm honest, but certainly in keeping with the time. Um, one to consider if you're looking for a horror film. Uh, there's also 
loosely connected uh, a series called good omens on amazon prime and although it is fictional it does reference the witchfinder generals quite a lot and it is about the areas of witchcraft and those kinds of things so actually it's a good series anyway jack whitehall as a witchfinder it, it can't really pass that up and then the final one would be inside number nine for me um there's an episode in the first series which is set in a village in uh, early modern england where they put a woman on trial for being a witch. Again, there's a little bit of swearing in it, uh, but nothing past uh, a reference to genitalia. So it, it's worth a, a watch if you want to see about the hysteria and paranoia that goes into are they a witch or aren't they? Um, finally, from me, there are two series, really, by Tony Robinson, that bloke off Time Team, if you're not sure who he is. Um, he is... Uh, presenting a series called gods and monsters which can be found online but also has a crime and punishment uh documentary series that is available on youtube if you're in one of my classes you've probably watched at least one episode along the way imagine more imagine more okay and now to finish off our podcast joke and we've got a cracker for you this week uh so what do you call a pig wearing a witch's hat in the sahara what do you call a pig wearing a witch's hat in the Sahara? A ham sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you've got a better joke about witches, feel free to comment on the podcast. Send us a tweet to Mr. Howarth on Twitter or reply to the email and let us know what you think. Thank you for listening again. We'll be back with our next episode on the Brezhnev Doctrine. Oh, fun. Ha, 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 ha.